My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. So sometimes your life goes a lot of different directions. And as a gay man, many times you're like, I'm trying to find my thing, I'm trying to find my thing. And then one day... Your hobby becomes the career, the career becomes something new. And before you know it, whether it's having a child or being with the guy or running a business that really lights you up, it happens. And I know some of you just rolled your eyes, guys. So knock that crap off because it really can happen. And that's what we're talking about today on 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk. Hello, I'm Rick Clements. I know you guys know that. I don't have to say that. But um, I'm really excited to talk to somebody that some of you, well, you may not know his name, but you know some of the cool stuff he does. His name is Scott Gatz. He is the guy behind Q Digital, which some of you are like, I'm not sure who that is, but Gay Cities, Queerity, LGBTQ Nation. I see all of you lighting up going, oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. Well, I'm excited to have Scott here and talking about his life and how he got where he is and what we as men over 40 can kind of build to really well have the perfect life, right, Scott? Everything is perfect in your life, right? <laughs> well, it's so great to be here. And yeah, uh, we're all chasing that perfection. Uh, right, right. One step you can't at be a time. A, you can't be a parent of a 13-year-old and go, yes, it's absolutely perfect because <laughs> that shit's just about to start. So trust me, I've been there. It's like, oh man, when my daughter's at 13, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Where's my little girl? Like, what started happening here? So, uh, but yeah, anyway. you can ju- you can just see like it's almost like tur- making a turn around the bend, and you're yes. like, oh, yeah, here here yeah. comes a whole different road. Yeah, it's a whole new roller coaster coming yeah. around the bend there. So indeed, uh, indeed. So you've had a pretty interesting career. I mean, like things all over the place, and I don't say like you're ADD. Let's let's not put that out there, but. <laughs> But you, you've really done some stuff that you did. You turned your hobbies into a career. So why don't we start there? Like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I grew up and growing up in the seventies, you know, you're, you, you watch TV, your parents, that was your babysitter, right? Mm-hmm. You plop right in front of the TV and I love television. Um, and when the time came to go to college, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work on television. Mm-hmm. And so I did. Um, ended up getting a chance to work, you know, intern at Good Morning America and NBC News, ended up at Lifetime TV for a while and Reuters producing news. I was like, I was living it. I, I got to, to take something that I just loved and, um, and create television. And it was mm. a real, real spectacular and fun ride. But all along the way, I was always that guy who's also into computers, you know, like, you know, they were obviously very different than we have today. I mean, the right. little iPhones we carry in our pocket are a million times more powerful than the little thing I would, my Texas Instruments computer in the seventies. Right. But, you know, I, I, as a hobby, while even doing television, which was already a hobby, I would like program and teach myself how to use the computer. And I was always that guy that everybody turned to. Mm-hmm. And so when the internet became a thing, if you will, 
And, and I think we're all old enough to remember the time before the internet, you know, when the internet became a thing, uh, I had the opportunity to go work on some amazing online products. And so one day I looked back and I said, well, I guess I'm not a TV producer anymore. Mm. Um, I'm now a, a internet product manager. And so I did that for years and I got to work at Yahoo, the, the search engine company and the internet portal, uh, doing a, amazing stuff. And, uh, you know, worked there for a long time. I was there for 10 years. And wow. uh, when I was deciding I was done with that, I was like, well, what do I do? And that the same thing, you know, my hobby was travel. I just love going around the world, still love making, you know, things that people use on the web. And so I created Gay Cities, you know, simply mm-hmm. I went to a B&B in Boston in the South End. And I used, you know, the internet back then. I was searching on TripAdvisor right. and all these things. And I found a review from a lady, like an elderly lady. And her review of this B&B was, well, there are a lot of men there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is totally my place. Uh-huh. But then also I realized, like, well, how come we don't have a place uh-huh. where we can share the best places to go stay and eat around the world? And so I, I, I use that programming knowledge. I use that web building knowledge to build out what is gay cities. Um, I think we were in six cities at the time. Mm-hmm. And today we're in 240 cities uh, awesome. around the world, except Antarctica, every continent except mm-hmm. Antarctica. Uh, so it's been a pretty amazing journey. And then along the way, we acquired other amazing sites like Queerty and LGBTQ Nation and, and most recently intomore.com which was Grindr's content site. And uh, today, you know, about, I don't know, about 7 million people each and every month are visiting one of those sites. And wow. we get to create content or share the best places or, <clears throat> or the best funny clips or the mm-hmm. most important news or first person perspectives for the LGBT right. community. Um, you know, we get to do that every day. And it's, right. it's pretty damn awesome. It is. And I've been in the content creation space for years. I, I started back in mid 2000s. Um, that's where I kind of, well, I was already in technology. So I was in hospitality technology. And then when I got laid off, cause I was a bad hire, I'm like, you're not worth keeping around. Uh, I'm like, this is kind of crazy. I want to be that kind of content guy, social media guy. And I started dabbling in it. And then I started writing and I started being like a blogger and doing different things. And I remember when you guys hit the scene and I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And there were so many different things. I mean, I, I'm going clear back to the days of Planet Out, which that was a, a content creation site kind of <laughs> very much in the embassy, right? Mm-hmm. And um, realizing as I started to work with different, different content creation places that this was going to be the voice of the future stuff, right? And um, it's been interesting to watch it all evolve and to see how we as a LGBTQ community have also used these as some of our platforms to like really be who we want to be. So let's kind of back up a little bit as a guy who was in the TV business back in the day, what was it like being a gay man in some of those places like NBC and good morning America and lifetime? Was it kind of don't ask, don't tell, you know, I, I have to say I was really lucky. And I think maybe because it was it was television, you know, right. it attracted creative folks. Yep. Um, I think the generation just before me, I talked to uh, a big producer at uh, 2020 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was talking about breaking in and how do I, you know, how do I get it? And his advice was pretty much to stay in the closet. You know, his mm-hmm. advice was, you know, you can tell that the people that you want to know, invite them over for dinner was his mm. advice, but don't be talking about it at work. Gotcha. And e- even then, I mean, it was what, 91, 92. Mm-hmm. I was like, I couldn't quite do that. And l- luckily the few places that I worked at, you know, had folks that were really open to it. A, a, a gay man at NBC News kind of took me under his wing and helped me kind of get my place there. Right. And uh, and then at Lifetime, uh, the, the executive producer is an amazing woman who, you know, picked, you know, we became fast friends. You know, I was right. I was her little gay boyfriend, basically. Right. I, was, I was 21. She was quite a bit older than that. Right. right. And, uh, you know, so I got lucky, uh, but mm-hmm. it was also New York City. So, right. you know, yeah. um, and, you know, I think it's interesting, ironically, the Internet. And that side of my business, I felt more like there was a ceiling for being a gay man in the yep. early 2000s. And I was like, huh, like, honestly, like your question was kind of right. Like you would think it would have been the old school television that was the problem, but it was actually the new world tech that was comfortable enough with you. Right. But you, you didn't go play golf. You know, you didn't like go exactly. out with your with, with the buddies there was like a whole different world that I realized I was never going to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's a tough realization to make. And that's kind of the time when I left there right? Um, and made my own path, just like you, you know, that something happened uh, where you're like, okay, this isn't going to be for me. I'm going to go make my own path. And uh, you know, so far that path has been working out. Similar experience. Because when I brought, when I came in, so I was in hospitality. So that world in and of itself is, tends to attract our, our LGBTQ community, right? But as soon as I moved from front of the house, food and beverage director, those sort of things, working for Marriott, yada, 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 into now I'm on the technology side, being more in the quote, corporate environment space, you know, and back in the day that I was in that, Leona Helmsley, Ian Schrager, all the big intercontinentals were our, you know, all the pretty big hotel, known hotel chains. Like if you were doing business with them, you were in, right? It was embracing because in the technology space, a lot of people who had worked in hotel environments were coming to the technology field saying, well, here, you know, I'll be a product manager or whatever. And yes, we, and, you know, we tended to attract a very high LGBTQ community. And it wasn't until I came out, I came out in 1999, I only been in that world for about four years, that the impact of it really hit me home because without those people that I had been working with, I don't know if my transition would have been as easy because I'd been married to a woman, I had two kids and I still really give kudos to my coworkers for making me feel embraced because they kind of gave me permission to kind of be the guy with one foot in one world and one foot in another world. But also uh, the company I worked for, we had a team member in our support team. We probably had like 60 support people, you know, all the phone support and everything. Her name was Clarissa. And she was literally the first transgender person I can really truly remember me being exposed to. And to know that 
it's going to sound funny to some people. I'm not doing this to knock Orange County, California, but to be behind the orange curtain. And here we are, this big technology company. And one of our best support people happens to be a transgender woman. Pretty progressive when you think about the 90s. Mm-hmm. So as you started to like, okay, now I'm into this <clears throat> internet and building your digital platform and everything. Obviously, all your digital platforms are very LGBTQ centric. But did you also find building those platforms like, ooh, I need partnerships with certain companies and stuff. And then suddenly like, oh, I'm not going to go play golf with these guys. So how do I make the connections? Yeah, you know, luckily, I mean, in some ways, the good news about the media market is it's kind of self-selecting. Exactly. And, And when we, you know, I wasn't really focused on making money at first. It really was like, I just think we needed to build this. So I built Gay Cities. And then I got a phone call from Hyatt Hotels. I said, we, we want to advertise with you. We want to, um, we want to you know, run ads all over your site. We want to highlight our properties. And uh, uh, my first response was, well, I, I don't know how to do that. We got to figure out how to, how do I put an ad on a website? Um, and I mean, at Yahoo, there was whole departments for that. But how would I do that? Um, but so they came to us. And then that started happening more and more where people were coming to us. And that then help me understand, okay, this is how this works. Right. And, and was able to add sales folks over time who then could go out into the world and look for the companies that supported our community and wanted to talk to our community. You know, back then it was, you know, American Airlines and Hyatt and a few other kind of big folks. Mm-hmm. Today it's, you know, it's Target and Chevrolet and Lexus and, you know, Capital One Bank, even, you know, there's, there's MasterCard, there's so many that are wanting to talk to us. And there's still plenty that don't, right? right. But we're able to just, we just focus on the ones that are, we don't need to over-focus on the ones that are. Right. Don't you think that's a big lesson though, that as a community, and it's not like let's boycott somebody per se, but it's like, I have learned as a public speaker, I will embrace those that want me to speak. And those mm-hmm. that don't, I'm not going to make an issue of it because I don't need to go do that. You know, there's no, now if I was an advocacy speaker and a DNI speaker, it'd be a total different ballgame. I'm more of, I'm helping people live their most unapologetic life. And Hey, if you don't like the fact that I'm a gay guy talking to your college students about living unapologetically and throwing in some stories about my coming out, that's fine. I'm not purposely going to go after a Christian school just to see if I can ruffle feathers. Yes, I would like you to not have your feathers ruffled by that, but I'm also not going to like purposely like, okay, let's go try to make, it be like you guys going, we need Hobby Lobby to advertise. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen. Yeah, it's, you know, and I don't, I I think there's roles for both of it, right? You know, like you said, if you, you know, if if your career path was a different one, right, or, or if your life path was a different one, is probably the way to say it, maybe it would be about, shaking the trees and we need people to be, to be causing that noise and making that happen. But when it comes to my business and, and people that want to reach our 7 million readers, you know, that's all about going to the people that want to talk to us, or maybe people who are beginning to, when I say people, I guess I mean companies, you know, companies that are beginning to think about it, but don't know what to do. We do mm-hmm. talk to a lot of those and we help them get there. Right. Um, they might not start out being, uh, a huge ally, but we help them get there and that's okay. Um, but if, if they're virulently anti 
anything, honestly. Um, let them be, and we'll cover them. Our news, our journalists will cover right. them. You know, we will talk about their stories and highlight the the crap they do. Right. Um, but you know, when it comes to the business, we're we're just going to work with people we want to work with, and mm. um, there's plenty of business out there for that to happen. Absolutely. So, as a guy who's built this company, a lot of my listeners are guys, obviously over forty. Some of them are hitting the block wall of I'm miserable. I can't find my passion. Uh, I just want to leave what I'm doing right now. Oh my gosh, I just, I'm done. What is something you would like offer up as like, hey, here's something that I found really started to help me like hone in, really stay focused, go do the thing I wanted to do. You know, I think anything that you can imagine, you can build or you can create. You got to imagine it. You know, right. so I think that's the important first step. Like, can you explain it to someone, you know, even if that someone's just yourself, you know, can yep. you explain it out loud or write it down on a sheet of paper, whatever way you are a communicator, write yourself an email, whatever, right. text yourself, but can you describe it? If you can describe it, you can make it happen. You know, I'm not going to say that it's super easy. You just no. explain it and then go, but you got to do that. You know, you got to be able to describe, this is what I want to do. This, this, the world needs this, or I want to do this, or this is what I care about. If you can say those things, that's like the first step. And then it's like, okay, well, what's it going to take? You know, how do I get there? Um, and that's the hard part, you know, because that, then that leap where you decide I'm going to leave the company I'm working at or completely change my career. That's a really scary part. Um, Very scary. And for me, I, I kind of dipped my toe in the water to start. I said, well, let me just use this as an opportunity to learn something. And I allowed myself to say, if it goes nowhere, it goes nowhere, right. you know? And, and so I luckily had come off of, you know, a good paying job and I had, you know, some time I had, you know, six months or so where I was like, okay, I'll just figure it out. And if it doesn't work, then in six months, I'll go back, you know, hit, find a new job. Cause I'll probably still be better off. Cause I was tired of that last thing. Right. Right. Um, but it has, it's been 14 years now, you know? So I, you know, I guess we figured it out. Right. They do. I remember when I got laid off again, cause I was a really bad hire. Um, I, the second one, so it was two times in a row and I got laid off because of like, Hey, we we're cutting, we're cutting budgets. Right. And I love it. You're the one guy that we think's on the team that we know will bounce back. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Just say my, my salary is too high. You know, we're going to, whatever. I was fine with it. And I actually, the second go around, I was actually really fine with it. Cause I was already starting to feel like I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I was feeling the itch to be more passionate and purposeful and having impact in the world, like at a gut level versus like, oh, let's just create something. Right. <clears throat> And if somebody had told me in 2006 that having a clear cut idea of where I was going was going to be the most critical piece of this, I probably would have said, yes, but there's got to be more, which we both know that. I mean, you've just said that, like I clearly articulate what you want, right. what's the first step. And then yes, the big leap with, you know, maybe no parachute. Right. <clears throat> but as I work with speakers in my other role in the world, this is something I say to them all the time. Can you clearly articulate what you speak about, who you speak to, and the transformation you're going to make for that audience? Mm -hmm. 
if you can't do that, you better learn how to, or you better not be in this business. Yep. And I think any business owner will tell you that whether it's queer cities or whether it's whatever, you know, Q digital or whether it's Rick Clemens coaching or whatever it is. I mean, the coming out coach, I struggled at first because everybody, as soon as I started that business, like, Oh, this is so cool. You're going to help kids come out of the closet. I'm like, Nope, not going to go there because teenagers aren't going to be able to talk to me, nor are they going to be able to pay me. Plus they're trying to do this without mom and dad figuring it all out. Right. But when I got really super clear on I'm coaching men in midlife coming out of the closet with dignity and respect for themselves and others, the whole game changed because mm -hmm. that was very clear. It's like, these are, these are my peeps, right? Now it's, you know, definitely transition. But what I love about what you've done with Q Digital is it's like, here's the need. At first it's like, hey, I see this thing that needs to be developed. How can we have kind of our TripAdvisor version of, you know, travel or whatever? But then Queerity and Inquiring LGBTQ Nation, each of those serves a purpose of serving the LGBTQ culture in a way that other things are serving the cultures at large. Here's our unique way of doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, but I, I think you said it, it's, it didn't, you know, I did have a clear articulation, but that also that articulation changed over time, right? Mm -hmm. Just like it did for you. And if I think now, you know, that we're really about um, entertaining and enlightening and amplifying voices of LGBTQ folks. And so by bringing in these other sites, it's the, it's ways to serve the audience differently. Mm -hmm. um, if you would ask me in 2008, when I started down this journey, like, would, is this where you're going to end up? Uh, uh, no, I don't know, but I knew where that, where I wanted to get to and, and do that very next thing. I was able to at least talk about that. And right. that got me through the first couple of years. And then there was a new thing and then there's a new thing and then there's a new thing. Um, and you just keep on growing. And that's also your opportunity to be like, you know, you can check in. Am I happy? Am I doing mm -hmm. what I want to be doing? It's like, eh, no, that didn't quite work the way I hoped. Or yeah, that is exactly what I was after. Um, you you got to, that, that, I think that's maybe the other lesson here is you got to be afraid not to, to, you have to be not afraid to change. Mm -hmm. And to, you know, I think we're all of an age where you just know that that's, you know, that is how we get through life. You know, there's going to be all these changes along the way. And you just kind of, sometimes they'd suck and sometimes they're great. And you just kind of mm -hmm. ride. It's almost like surfing, right? You kind of ride the wave. Yep. It was really scary for me when I, so even when I launched this podcast, but let's go to life uncloseted that started out as the coming out lounge. It's like, let's have a, let's have an interesting little podcast about coming to the coming out lounge. And let's talk about, you know, your coming out story or what you need to help come out. And it really served itself. And then I was like, I'm kind of not liking the name, but all of a sudden somebody said, well, I have a coming out story, but it's not about my sexuality. And I'm like, really? And then Chris Brogan, who's a social media guy, he was one of the first ones that we had a conversation about this. And it was so interesting because he talked about coming out of his own depression and anxiety and being all these things. I'm like, I, okay, let's go there. Right. And then I had a girlfriend who's like, well, you know, I have this sales book he go, and she goes, isn't coming out like a sales job. I'm like, yeah, it is kind of, you know? And so then my brain went, now I'm intrigued. And I'd always said, everybody's coming out of closets. You know, everybody has a coming out story, 
but I never was ready to push that button. And then the more I started like, okay, and this is not degrading to our community. I'm like, if I have to tell another coming out story, I don't know you run out, you know, how many can you tell? Not that there's anything wrong with them, but now I love that I took this and spun it. Mm -hmm. Like what's the life uncloseted stories that many people have. We still stay very true to telling the LGBTQ stories. I mean, a vast majority of those stories over there, that's what it's about. But the same thing happened here with this one. It started out as 40 plus real men, real talk, because I wanted to, I wanted to have conversations with men from all walks of life about what guys over 40 are struggling with. And guess what? Gay or straight, we have the same issues going on, guys. So let's kumbaya together if that's what you want to do. And let's have this conversation. About four months into it, COVID hit. And I said, let's have a 40 plus real men, real talk, you know, Zoom call once a month. Let's keep the community going, right? And then I realized that, and th some guys are going, we've heard this story before, Rick, but some people haven't. Suddenly, one night, all the guys show up and I'm like, I know a lot of these guys and none of these guys are straight guys. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm stepping into delicate territory here, but I'm going to ask the question like, so you guys do know this podcast is for men from all walks of life, right? They're like, yeah. I said, so a lot of you guys, I know you're here, you're gay men. What's bringing you to these calls? Well, anytime you're doing something that's about, you know, gay life, we're going to show up. I'm like, well, do you listen to the podcast? Only when it has something that has some gay content tied yeah. to it. And this is where I grew real quick. I mean, right. literally, Scott, within a week, the entire thing had changed. I'm like, I'm done. Let's. Right. Let's go because 40 plus gay men, gay talk. And it, man, it, it didn't take long. Like boom, boom, boom. The next month we had a get together. We went from five people to 20 people on that zoom call suddenly in, in less than a month, because in a month's time, I'm only doing one show a week. Right. Mm -hmm. Suddenly I'm like, wait, we just went from like 120 downloads to 800. And then suddenly two weeks later, we went from 800 to 2000. I'm like, something just happened here, which I know you've seen probably with your stuff you start to realize how you're serving your community and off you go. But that piece of not, not being afraid to change. Right. To me, that is so key critical. And you know, you, what you did is not only were you not afraid to change, you listened. You're like, you, you mm -hmm. kind of like, Hey, look, I'm noticing something. Right. And then you also listen to yourself too, which is like, Oh yeah. But that's, and that's also something I want to do. Right. You know, and that's, I think that's where it's kismet, you know, cause we're, we all want to create great stuff in the world, but I think at this point, in, at least in my life, you know, I also want to be doing, I want to be enjoying it. Like, yes, you know, and even if that means I'm, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's going to clock out at five, right. but if, even if I'm the kind of guy that is, I want, then I want to enjoy whatever it is, you know, right. hanging out with my buddies or gardening or hanging mm -hmm. out with my family, whatever it is, um, you know, cause we, life's too short. Right. Right. You know, we, you gotta have and fun. if I don't get to do this, I'm not having fun. I mean, it's right. on it. I, I tell my husband this all the time. I'm like, you could take everything else away from me, but don't take my podcast away. <laughs> yeah. Because this is where I get to be sassy and fun and, and sometimes serious. But this is what I love. It lights me up, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not, for me, it's not so much the downloads. I mean, I, I wrote blogs for your tango and Huffington Post and all that. And I was like, oh, isn't this cool? I'm involved in all this thing. I'm like, well, that's cool. But what am I really doing this for? I want something that's just, I'm, I want it to happen. And yes, having 7 million, you know, 
you know, people visiting your sites and everything and all that stuff. That's a great thing. But I, I sense in you, Scott, it's like, yeah, that's part of the equation. But if we're not doing this for the right reasons. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the two things go hand in hand. You know, when you're <clears throat> when you're doing something and you're putting your heart into it and, you you know, it's the people can tell that you love what you're doing. Right. Right. And then that translates into numbers, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, that doing your, doing the stuff well and, and letting your spirit shine through and highlighting other people and amplifying voices, that's all it's going to, it's going to come. I mean, I I don't want to mean to make it sound too easy. It's hard, but if you don't have that spark and you don't have that love in, it's not going to come. Right. And I I can tell you the spark I came into this podcast with, and I, and I love life uncloseted because now I have that, that same spark. But man, I'm so, I'm so much further ahead with this one because I needed that other one to like help me get my ground. And, you know, I'm I'm almost 900 episodes between both podcasts now, which That's is amazing. It's fun. And I'm not throwing that number out to like, ooh, look at me. But I'm not doing this if I didn't love it. I mean, that's a whole lot of effort. And, you know, you got to work this crap into your life, boys. So, you know. <laughs> And if you're not doing it because you love it, then don't do it, which is really a core message I try to, you know, send to men listening to this podcast. If you're not loving, I don't want to go all Marie Kondo, but if it's not bringing you joy, it's got to be out of there. Yeah, no, but that is so true. And, you know, even if it sounds like a cliche, like, come on, you know, Mm -hmm. and whatever it is, by the way, you know, it could be something like what we're doing. It could be something totally different, but you got it. You got to enjoy it. I mean, again, life's too short. So you have a child, right? Yeah. 13 year old. Yeah. Boy, right? Boy. Yeah. What do you think your life is showing him? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, gosh, that's such a good question. I mean, for one, I try to operate with integrity and, you know, a certain amount of kindness. I'm in business. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I kind of believe I can build a business in a way that is a place where people want to work, people want to work with us, people want to partner with us, that we take the high road as much as we possibly can. And, and, um, and so I think he, for one, he sees that and hopefully mm-hmm. he'll take those lessons. Yeah. I think what we just talked about, that joy and the passion that I have, I'm hoping he sees that and takes and learns that if you, if you can direct your passion into something, you know, into a, a useful direction, you can really, you can achieve anything. I mean, I guess I've even told him what I told, what I, when you asked me that question, if you can imagine it, you can make it happen. Like it, right. that would be the, the one lesson I would hope he would learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also he's getting to see that his dad's a, you know, an out proud gay man who's not afraid to go on a podcast and talk about it and uh, get out in the world and create stuff for our community. Um, And any of the stuff I had growing up, any of the concerns, you know, the fears, like, you know, who knows what he'll be when he grows up, you know, he could be straight, he could be gay, he can be some, something in between, but he can be anything. And I didn't have that example. Um, so hopefully he has that example. And by the way, it's not just him, it's his friends. It's the the kids that come over for, to hang out with him, you know, to play video games, whatever it is, they get to see that too. 
same exact experience for me. I mean, my, my daughters are now 23 and 27 and it's, you know, they, they got handed this life at a very young age. My youngest was 18 months old. My oldest was almost six. And um, suddenly here's this wrinkle in the fabric of their family, so to speak. And then my husband came into the picture a couple of years later and, you know, so, Hey, they've been raised, they've been raised by, you know, two dads along with a mom. Right. Mm -hmm. And at times I was always a little nervous about it, but I'm like, if I show them I'm nervous, that's going to let them know they have something to be nervous about. Right. Right. And I'm not saying it was ever, it hasn't always been rainbows and unicorns by any stretch of the imagination, but it's never been bad either. You know, it's like, I, I feel like one of the things I passed on to them through this whole experience is it's not that difficult to just be yourself. Right. Just keep doing that. And now my oldest one, she's like a, a, a little bit of an influencer on Instagram. She gets some pretty good kicks. And, and my youngest one, it's been really interesting because I've seen her mature into really living her truth. And like, even the college experience is like, yeah, that's not my gig. And I was a little like, okay, well, I wanted to kind of bigger your gig, but I'm not going to say you have to go make this happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And now because we've worked through that and she's continuing to do it, she's carving out her own path in a really amazing way because I think underlying this whole experience or pieces of the whole experience is just go be yourself and do what makes you happy. Yeah. Because without that, there's really no point. There's absolutely no point here, here. So I know for me, <clears throat> one of the things that um, I felt like had the most impact in my success is not everything I've learned. It's not everything I've done. It's having somebody in my world who said, go do this, mm -hmm. go be that, go make it happen. And that's my husband. Um, he's my sounding board, but he's also the one that's like, Hey, here's what we got to, you know, that's what we need to live. And, you know, I want you to go be happy and everything. And I want you to do it. And what I love is he, there's never been pressure. Like, he hasn't said, okay, fine. Just sit back and eat bonbons. Right. Mm -hmm. But he's always been so super supportive along the way. How's it been for you and your guy? I mean, I, it's similar stories. I mean, you know, we've been together almost 30 years now, 29 years. Mm -hmm. And all through that, I mean, I think probably the biggest time was when I was recruited into Yahoo and that involved me moving from New York to San Francisco where I live now. Mm -hmm. and uh, we'd only been together five years at the time. And he said, let's do it. Just go. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, this, it was an opportunity I just couldn't pass up. I mean, right. it was the dream of dream jobs. And his being supportive and saying, let's just go for it. Um, I mean, led our lives to where it is today. Who knows? Had I stayed in New York and right. who knows where my path would have gone? I, I can't even imagine. Um, so I was very lucky in that way. Um, but to be not to be a, too much of a contrarian, so I'm very lucky that I had that experience. But you know, you can also make your own way. You could be your own cheerleader. You know, sometimes, yes. and even sometimes in our relationship, like there's been times where I've had to push past some hesitance or fear. Yep. Um, you know, you can do it. Uh, it. You know, if you believe in yourself, you can give it a try. And as long as you don't like anything in life, you don't put yourself 
at too much risk, either financially right. or whatever else, you know, don't, don't lose your house or anything, but, um, you can, you can make things happen. And, mm. um, sometimes you might not get somebody else to tell you that, but, right. you know, we all know you can do it. I like that you brought that up because a year ago, a little over a year ago, this opportunity came for me to, I hate to say, it, go back to a nine to five job. Right. And I said, when that all happened back in 2006, no way, no hell and high water. Am I ever going to work for anybody ever again? And I had actually been working for this company that I do work for as a contractor. And it happens to be doing something I really love. I love coaching. I love being a, a coach. I love being a business coach, a life coach. I love it. I love it as much as I do doing these podcasts. Actually, podcasts, I love more than anything. But, and when that opportunity presented itself, <clears throat> I did go to my husband and I said, what do you think? And this is one of the times I wanted to slap the shit out of him. because He's like, doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you want to do and how you want to be. He goes, you know, you love your business, but he goes, it's your call. And I was like, okay, but this is one of those moments as a spouse, you're like, can't you please just tell me what to do, right? <laughs> right. And I'm actually really grateful that he kind of stood in that space of, it's up to you, babe. Because that's when I did dig deep in myself. And I'm like, well, everybody's going to see me as a hypocrite because I said I'd never work for anybody ever again. And, you know, all this sort of stuff. But then I'm also at a space where this felt right. You know, this felt good. I still get to do all this other great stuff that I do. I just not at the level, but I'm like, I'm kind of tired of doing it at the level I was doing it because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm not old guys. I'm not old. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe some of you might think that, I mean, I'm going to be 59 in a couple of weeks, but um, you know, it's like one of those things that I really did get to dig. And what I loved about him standing in the sidelines, so to speak on that decision was he let me be inspired to go dig deep. Mm-hmm. And really look at it through a lens of what is it that Rick wants to create now? And because I made that decision, I feel like I'm creating even more of what I love to do now because it's not about, oh, I got to go get this many clients to like pay the quote bills and plan for the future. I've got something that's helping me do that. Now what I go create is I get to create that extra stuff and I get to do things that I, and I'm, I'm building a little side empire that's even more powerful. And I get to like, actually spend time writing book number two and all this sort of stuff. It's so interesting when you relinquish yourself into, you get to make the decision. Yeah. You get to guide your path. And I know a lot of guys listening are like, I don't feel like I know how to do that. So for me, what I did is I learned the lesson of release and let go mm -hmm. and trust. I'm curious for you, what's helped you? Maybe it is the release, let go and trust too. Like I actually put some boundaries around it. I gave myself mm -hmm. a certain amount of time. Yep. And I said, you know, like you'll come out the other end and you'll have learned something, right? That's the worst case scenario, you know, because if you go longer, then you might get in trouble. But for in the six months, I was able to say, look, let's see what I can learn. And I didn't go in with crazy expectations. Um, and the more I got into it, the more it's like, I want to keep doing it. But, right. you know, I literally don't think, I had an expectation it would be a very long-term thing. I just like, mm. just do it. But I gave myself that freedom. And that's, mm. you know, and I guess that is the same thing as releasing, right? Like I, I almost built a box around myself yep. so that I could totally let it let go. And I knew I would be safe. 
Because in six mm-hmm. months, that's when I start looking for another job and it'd be fine. Right. But, you know, by doing that, I didn't need to look for another job in six months. I was able to just let go and create some. You know? That's something I talk about with people who are like, okay, I'm going to do this. And like, well, I, I need to have a, a goal and a deadline. I'm like, sure, that works. Mm-hmm. Or do you need to have a strategic boundary? I love using that terminology. What's the strategic boundary? What is that strategic boundary that you're going to play within without it feeling confining? But what's the strategic boundary? Six months was your strategic boundary. When this happens, then, but there's something about it. It's like, okay, I know that's looming out there in the future. That's good for a lot of people. That's the inspiration. I want to know by the time I get to that point, it's either a solid yes or a hell no. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want to have the hell no, I'm sure the heck going to work a whole lot harder to like make whatever this thing is. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. And know? it's interesting that you say that you're right. It, and also it's strategic. I like that. It's, it doesn't have to be time, you know, mm. it could be something else. Like I need these things to happen or I need this to be safe. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that concept. And then, you know, cause it did, it's freeing and then mm-hmm. you can make decisions. And like you said, giving yourself the boundary also then forces you to kind of push it along. You can't mm-hmm. just, you know, like you were saying, you can't sit on your couch and eat bonbons because then right. nothing's going to happen. Uh, well, but that's what you and I do all day. Nobody really knows that we sit on this little couch in our offices and eat bonbons <laughs> and my, all this stuff magically happens. Right? Luckily you can't see my, my bowl of bonbons <laughs> through the microphone. true true but speaking of magical bonbons and everything something brand new has happened for you in your q digital world there's a little premiere that just happened recently yeah Uh, it's kind of important yeah we're super excited you know we get to work with a lot of great advertisers but chevrolet i mean think about it i my first my mom's car was a chevy camaro and that was the car i grew up in that's the car i learned how to drive in and Chevrolet came to us and said that we want to we want to be authentic with the LGBTQ community, and we want to talk about the issues that matter to the community. Mm-hmm. We don't want to just put up pictures of cars. Um, and and uh, how how incredibly amazing for them to say that. And so we've produced a series of documentaries focusing on key topics in our community: LGBTQ people raising a family, inclusion in sports, drag as activism justice reform, homelessness, and raising, you know, uh, raising young LGBTQ people. So we've gotten a chance to do, to highlight these really amazing issues. And I'm so proud of the fact that in, in June during Pride Month, we debuted one of these documentaries and actually showed all of them at the New Fest Gay Film, LGBTQ Film Festival in New York. Uh, and you know, to see your work up on a big screen in a theater like that. Uh, and it is literally some of the best work we've done at LGBTQ mm. Nation uh, to date. Uh, really being allowed to talk about that and having a brand like Chevrolet really supporting our community. Um, it meant a lot. And it's, yeah. it you know, again, because we're here to entertain, but we're also here to enlighten and to highlight mm. these issues and amplify the voices of people that you don't get to hear very often right. and getting to see their faces on the screen and their stories being told and that we got to do that uh, was phenomenal. And we're doing more mm. this year. So that's awesome. if, if you go to lgbtqnation.com, just look for authentic voices of pride at the top and you can watch all of them. That's amazing. I remember when I got <clears throat> pulled in. So 
back in the day I wrote for Huffington Post gay voices and I was like this is pretty cool I did love it it got to a point where I'm like oh my gosh this is more like oh my gosh I have a do an article every week right and then I got approached by another online blogging brand which was very focused towards women straight women and they're like your tango was the name of it still around as far as I know and they wanted me to start writing and I'm like why exactly because you know i'm you know i'm gay right Mm -hmm. yes we know that and we think it'd be really powerful in this kind of a context to have that gay voice who can talk to the similarities of what happens in gay lives as well as it what happens in straight heterosexual women's lives and i'm like wow that's kind of a i felt pretty darn honored honestly because i was one of their key bloggers for quite a while and to see when those intersections happen, and this is kind of why I was so excited to get to have the conversations with you today. In every part of Q Digital, at least the way I see it from my perspective, you're trying to help bridge gaps. You know, it's about gay cities. Well, we can go to any travel, any travel site, TripAdvisor being one of them. But as a gay person, I really want to be able to go, well, but where's a safe place to stay or where's something that's kind of like the neighborhood that I might not know about. Not that everything has to be gay, gay, gay for me when I travel, but sometimes it's kind of nice to go, Hey, I want to patronize an LGBTQ restaurant or who's got a store that's really unique or whatever it might be. But then when you get into the queerty and the LGBTQ nation stuff, it's like, this is my news, you know, and, and it's nice to be able to find those places that then in addition to it, not only being for our community, it helps bridge the gap with some of these amazing big name brands like Chevrolet, HBO, MasterCard, Nissan, you know, all of those that says we do want to work together and we want to make sure we're talking to your community the same way we talk to all the other communities in the world. And that's what I really admire about what you've done, Scott. You've found some pathways to not only serve our community and continue to, and you know, just, just the authentic voices of pride is another way of bridging gaps, but also saying, this doesn't just have to be about queer you know, communities and queer sponsors and all that. We can bring this all together and try to, try to make the planet a better place. So. Yeah, thank thank you, and that is you know uh, that's the rewarding part of what we get to do every day. Yeah. Um, that it's it's pretty pretty amazing to get to 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 make those connections for people and to lift up people and 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 just have some fun along the way too. Yeah. Well, I love what you've done. I love that you took time out to have this conversation with me and my audience because I do believe there's a lot of gay men in their forties who are like. I don't know. I'm too old to do something. I'm too old to make it shift. And I want to say you're never too old. You're never too old. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, I think both of us are in the same position. We started, I started this business just before I turned 40 mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you can do it. It's, yeah. it's never too late. And, you know, as I'm approaching my mid fifties, I mean, I'm not planning to go anywhere, but if I wanted to, you know, you could do it again. Yep. You know, um, exactly. It's, it's all doable. Uh, absolutely. So everybody, gay cities, queerty, LGBTQ nation, authentic voices of pride, um, go to any of those places, help support Scott, his work, the beautiful journalists that are working for him, the advertisers are out there trying to bridge gaps. 
um, just be out there and let's make the world a better place. So thanks again for being here, Scott. Well, thank you so much for having me and uh, we'll talk soon. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 plus gay men, gay talk, where the conversations continue.